0: This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Zach and I's sexual tension with each other. (laughs) (laughs) It's building. (laughs) Um, Make your own industry. Recreate movies. Don't pay attention to industry. Do your own thing. I mean, put it this way. Um, You want the work to be seen. But it doesn't have to be at the Odeon. You know. No more. That's all different. That's all gone. It's another ancient world. That type of film, or not even that type of film, the, 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 the communal experience is always important. You can make a film on a, a camera the size of that doorknob and still show it to 1,600 people in, in an audience. It's still a great communal experience. You know, uh, it doesn't necessarily mean it has to cost uh, uh, over 100 million pounds. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. I knew you'd do a comment intro again. I'm Frank.
1: I'm Zach. Always Zach. Always Frank. And we're doing Director's Cut. Season three, number three of The <laughs> uh, Witch. My choice. Yeah, is Martin Scorsese. Ooh, okay. Fuck <laughs> you, Zach. For, fucking, <laughs> for every reason imaginable. Yeah. Uh, so now, this must have killed you to put him in the middle of the. Yeah, top I was. Five. I, I
0: actually really was like. I didn't. I was as I was doing my list. I was like, man, he should probably be my number two. And then I was like. But I like the other guy a lot more—not <laughs> a lot more, but just the other guy that my that I'm you know, just who made my number two was just like, I don't know, man, I don't know. So it was a real toss-up. But Scorsese had to be in it for me. Oh yeah, absolutely, uh, because my childhood kind of is a like all around Scorsese. To be honest, uh, him being like an Italian American and my family being like, you have to watch Goodfellas, you have to watch Casino, <laughs> you have to watch, you know, all these mafia movies. So he had to make my list uh, and for a good reason. Yeah, absolutely. He's, he's the man. He um, is the best. Yeah. And I love that he's still alive and I love that he's still making fantastic movies. Yeah. Uh, it's really rare when... a dire- So I, I looked up, he has 65 director credits, which is insane. Mm-hmm. Um, and for him to be his age and for doing it for so long and still making, you know absolutely amazing films the irishman yeah it's great uh it's it's i don't know it's kind of like you're still around I'm for not, a legend i want to look up his or photog- er. his photography <laughs> <laughs> god damn he's got uh, so many <laughs> <laughs> photos frank um, you should learn from <laughs> um so yeah so again i broke him down as to to four different kind of little things and i actually took a I took a a thing from zach in which I i got a quote
1: oh really yes God damn, Um, he made so many fucking fantastic films. Yeah.
0: Um, So actually, that's going to be my first point. And I'm not going to do... I didn't do this for any of my other directors. Mm -hmm. But Uh point one is strictly just his filmography. Um, So, I mean, he has made some of the most iconic films
1: in history. honestly.
0: Um, You know, just to name a few, he has Mean Streets, Taxi Driver, Raging Bull, Goodfellas, Cape Fear the Remake... Um, The Age of Innocence, Casino, Gangs of New York, The Aviator, Shutter Island, The Wolf of Wall Street, Silence, The Irishman, Um, you know, these are all just so there's just so many iconic films that even if you don't like all of them, you can't deny their significance in American cinema.
1: He had something to do with Shark Tale. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably the, the Will Smith <laughs> fish movie. Um, he's got my vote for that one.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so that's kind of like this. Like number one is mm. just the filmography alone. Like, yes. you, like those are all just such good movies. God, um, he built our childhood, <laughs> kind of. Yeah. Uh, and then the next thing I have is his editing. He has some of the most, just some of the best editing with his movies and which how he paces them mm-hmm. and uh he he has his go-to editor which her name is Thelma Shoemaker mm-hmm. and she's kind of like the she's kind of been his editor basically I think he was making films for like 10 years and then he wanted her and then scheduling and whatever it never happened and then basically like they they finally did their first film together and then she's just been his editor ever since Oh cool so um I appreciate the loyalty you know uh but yeah so I mean the way that he even like films movies. So he made casino and he actually filmed casino basically like for the edit. Mm -hmm. So the way that he placed his cameras and the way that the cameras moved and all that, um, he basically filmed it. So she almost didn't have to do any cutting. It was more like, okay, this is that scene and then just put it together and there you go. Hmm. Um, you know, and I think he just uses his editing very, very intelligently. Um, where you know some edits are kind of like invisible right like kind of just like the ones that it cuts and you don't really think anything of it like
1: 1916 1917 yep yes
0: where it's just kind of like, you don't really notice it and mm-hmm. it's just kind of fluent and silent and it's just go ahead what which you is fucking say?
1: crazy i watched like a whole thing where it's like for 1917 it was like this is where the cut is yeah and it was like jesus christ like that's done perfectly yeah but Martin Scorsese pretty <laughs> yeah. much set that up, right? Um, and then you, and then you also have his like really, really
0: loud edits—the ones that like you know that you definitely do notice, the ones that make a great uh, kind of like statement. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in the in Goodfellas, the very famous scene of Joe Pesci going, "Funny how, yeah, right?" <laughs> uh, you know, he he has like, my clown, do I
1: amuse you? Yeah, do I
0: amuse you? Uh, that is edited perfectly mm-hmm. but it's 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 a, it's definitely an edit that you notice at least if you're somebody who really really breaks down films because you notice how how long Scorsese kind of like stays on them and you you're you're feeling that tension getting built up to the point where it's almost making you uncomfortable <laughs> because you don't know what the hell is gonna go on and you're feeling kind of uneasy. And Joe Pesci um, was a tough guy. And then, then and he's so small. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he's uh he well he's uh um, he's, he's really short. <laughs> he's pretty small. Uh, but
0: yeah, so you know like that that really really just like holding it just a little too long and it just kind of makes you nervous. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I I kind of put his editing with his music too. So, um, in Casino, while he was writing Casino, he, he's kind of like coming up with a dialogue and then he screams out to the guy who was actually typing it. He's like, cream. He's like, just, and he's like, what do you mean cream? He's like, just write down cream. And he's <laughs> like, band? okay. Yeah. He's talking about the band. Yeah. Because, uh, that's, that's the scene in Casino where, um, uh, De Niro is like at the bar and Cream is playing and the guy comes in and and you know that he's gonna fucking kill him. Like you know that De Niro is like planning on murdering this guy. Um and yeah, so I mean like he kinda already has his music cho- like you know what I mean, where yeah. he's he has his music choices in his head as he's writing mm-hmm. and that kind of definitely helps with I think building the scene around the music kind of. Uh and I don't know, I think it's just I think he, he's he, Scorsese is known for his music and films. He uses such iconic uh, pieces of, of music mm-hmm. that, um, you know, you can't deny just his editing. That's really what it is. Um, and then I really, really like how he stays away from really, really bold colors. Um, except for wolf of Wall Street so there are a few there are are obviously some exceptions but for the most part he stays away from really really bold colors but then he uses colors in a very very interesting way uh, specifically the color red yes uh, he uses red to like signify basically that like danger is about to like happen like you know something something's about to go on um, And we talked about that too like with taxi driver yeah
1: with the use of red right
0: and i don't know he just uses it as like a narrative device to give you like a warning or something and again that kind of goes down to like the editing and the way that he the way that he kind of uh what do you what do you call it i can't think of the word
1: color so grades he yeah. co- the way that
0: he color grades his um his films mm-hmm. uh i mean i kind of th- i told you the story about how he, oh, he got the X rating on Taxi Driver yeah. and then he desaturated the red and then he got the R rating. Mm-hmm. Um, Otherwise, he would have killed a man. Otherwise, <laughs> he almost <laughs> killed a man. Uh, yeah. So then my next point is the authenticity of his world. So he, for the most part, he kind of stays pretty uh, down to earth with his films. Yeah. So um, specifically okay. like his production design. So like in his in his films everything kind of takes place in our world mm-hmm. so he uses you know like cities and apartment buildings and apartment complexes and gas stations and and just like things that we all just kind of know and things that like we feel like that is part of our world.
1: Yeah, he is a very grounded in reality. Yeah, type and he had like there's
0: no like there's no sci-fi. It's not very flashy at all, but it's more just kind of like raw. Yeah. Um and then, you know, kind of going to that authenticity of what he builds, he's very, very specific with his clothing for goodfellas. Um, every every single morning he would tie the um the main character's tie mm-hmm. because he needed to to be a very very specific way of of how to tie it and he needed to look very very authentic and the collars that they wore and just everything is just very very you know it's it's all about the details really that's kind of what it comes down to and it kind of just it kind of just you know it, it kind of shows you the people and I feel like his characters a lot of his characters in his movies. At, kind of are you can kind of argue where they are people that we kind of know you know what I mean and where like you can kind of like see somebody and be like okay I understand or I I kind of can relate to that character because I have a friend that's kind of like that Mm -hmm. character
1: um or even so like you can kind of like fantasize of like man I wish I was that character like Leonardo DiCaprio's character in Wolf of Wall Street, very cool, very suave, somebody that you would want to hang out with. Yeah, uh, also Ray Liotta. Insane. Yeah, <laughs> Ray Liotta in Goodfellas, like somebody who, like you, you wish, like you know, if you were a little bit more passive and you wanted to, like, be a tough guy, like he would be the guy that you would want to be. Yeah, uh, taxi driver. If you just want to kill in insane and like <laughs> get a get a. Gun strapped to your wrist. <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, but that actually kind of kind of flows into that. It's a good transition because um, my next and final piece as to why I picked him was because um, I love how, for the most part, he focuses on the antagonist opposed to the good True. guy. Yeah, Um, everybody,
1: every main character for the most part in his films is very flawed Yeah, uh, and you're just
0: following them doing what they're doing. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, Mean Streets is basically like the main character is Johnny Boy who is De Niro Mm -hmm. and it's all about him working his way up uh, in the ranks of the mafia. Uh, obviously, Taxi Driver. Travis is mentally unstable, yeah. and uh, we know how that ends. <clears throat> uh, Raging Bull is all about Jake LaMotta, who is the boxer, uh, and you know, basically, that's all about how he destroyed his life. Mm-hmm. Um, and his son became daredevil. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Cape Fear, which I don't know if you've ever seen, but I know of it. It's a, it's a. He, he did the remake, and that's a, that's a really interesting movie because it's basically about De Niro, who is a convicted rapist and ah. he gets out of prison and then starts to stalk the fam well he starts stalking the family of the um the lawyer who de- was defending him on the case mm-hmm. and he, then he starts like talking to the daughter and stuff like that and it gets like really crazy um and de niro in that movie is just so fucking <laughs> like he's got all these crazy tattoos he's just jacked he's fucking ripped like it's just <laughs> de niro is so good and i think that he does this Basically, because I feel like he, I think he finds, and I also find that the antagonists tend to have the most interesting stories.
1: I've always said this. Yeah. Word, like I prefer, whether it be like movies, whether it be uh, TV shows, whether it be any form of like comic books, anything like that, I always gravitate more towards the villains. Yeah. Because you need, if you don't have a strong villain, you have no reason for the hero to do anything.
0: Right. And I mean, you know, he's you know, like last year, one of my favorite films of last year was Joker. Yes. And I mean, Todd Phillips was very, very vocal about. Um, so I actually didn't make. So I I made the connection. You before, didn't make the cut for Joker. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I made the connection before um, I saw any interviews. Because, again, I've been trying to stay away from like, I think I told you this, like trailers mm. and stuff mo- yeah. mostly. And if I do see a trailer, it's kind of like one and done and I'm staying away from interviews and whatever after I watch films because I just want to like let it sit with me for a little while. And I said to you how 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 much Joker reminded me of Taxi Driver. Mm-hmm. And then I watched uh, like Two weeks ago, I watched um, on YouTube a director's roundtable, and Todd Phillips was there, and Scorsese was there. And Todd oh, wow. Phillips, and, and Phillips was saying to him how—so actually, he reached—Todd Phillips actually reached out to, um, to Scorsese and was like, I would really love for you to produce this movie. And Scorsese kind of just said no because he kind of already did it mm-hmm. because Todd Phillips was very open about how he used Taxi Driver in a film, another Scorsese film called King of Comedy— as reference points to Joker. And Scorsese kind of, I would argue, kind of created The, the Joker. <laughs> no, 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 no. Not not, not created the Joker, but created like the uh, not an ability. I don't know what I'm trying to say here. Like the he atmosphere ju- to create. No, it hasn't no, I'm not trying okay. to say anything with Joker. It's more of just about how he focuses on the antagonist. And That genre of film, Mm -hmm. I would argue, kind of got started by Scorsese, where he is never really following the good guys, and the good guys tend to not have they don't have the most interesting stories, no. right? They half, don't. They're half
1: the fucking, like you have to really build up a hero for me to give a fuck yeah. about what their morals right. are and but why you they're have doing a, everything. You, you have a, you have a
0: flawed character and immediately you're interested. You, you yeah. want to know why they are who they are and if it's done well and if it's done right, where uh, their backstory is intriguing and it makes sense and it's, it's, uh it's just very, you know, interesting. Mm-hmm then it makes for a great villain and a great character. And I mean, look, at the end of the day, I was I've been I've said to you and you kind of I think agree with me that Christopher Nolan's Dark Knight trilogy I find okay. The Dark Knight I find okay. I think that's but the best one. The Joker, mm-hmm. in my opinion, is kind of the entire reason as to why that movie kind of became as big as it was, at the end of the day, I don't feel like anybody really gives a shit about Bruce Wayne in that movie. It's kind—he's of, kind of boring. Like I—I, I, I, in my opinion, th- the way that I view that movie is—I'm not sure if I agree with this well, all the way through. <laughs> well, in my, for me, it's like the Dark Knight is just kind of like—it's—it's it's an okay movie with a fantastic villain, yeah, and. Whenever the Joker is not on the screen. You're wondering kinda, where the Joker I'm, I'm is. I'm just kind of like not that. I'm not nearly as invested. It's mm. kind of like, especially after you've seen the movie 10, 10 times. It's like when Heath Ledger's not on the screen when, and it's all Alfred and, and uh, uh, Bruce, I'm kind of just like on my phone, <laughs> like not paying attention. And yeah. then, and then the Joker comes on and then you're, and then I'm, I'm sucked in again. Um, and that's, you know, because Christopher Nolan created a fantastic, mm. fantastic villain. Uh, and that's kind of like the way that for me, it's like the way that Scorsese does his movies where you don't get bored is because you're following this villain for the entirety of the film. He's not somebody who kind of pokes in every 15, 20 minutes Mm -hmm. to then give the protagonist something to something to do. So making those characters who they are and, uh, and, and making them just really, really interesting and Granted, maybe you can argue that it's kind of he's sort of one-dimensional because a lot of his films are like mafia. But I don't know. He takes it from his real life at the end of the day. I mean, he he was he he would tell stories on how um, in his real life he was out in the city and basically like the like the the people would be like, hey, uh, the mob would come around and be like, hey. We're gonna kill somebody at three o'clock on the street. So make sure all your kids are like inside and nobody gets killed. Blah blah blah. So three o'clock would come, everybody would go inside, they'd kill the guy, and then everybody would go back outside and then continue playing as a kid. And like that was his real life. Yeah. Um and so, you know, like I feel like the best directors take from their real lives and then just enhance it, right? Like mm-hmm. take it and then fucking turn it on, turn it up to 12. Yeah. And be absolutely. like, okay. So now, you know, so yeah, maybe. You don't love the mafia films, but I feel like Scorsese has a film out there for everybody. Um, Gangs of New York. Yes. Is, I, I, I really, really like Gangs of New York. Uh, I love Bill the Butcher. I love Daniel day Lewis's character, Bill the Butcher. And uh, I think there's a little too much Cameron Diaz in that film. But other than that, I fucking love that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not a mafia film at all. No. Uh, Wolf
1: of Wall Street really isn't. Either. No,
0: Wolf of Wall Street isn't a mafia film. Silence is all about like religion, and that's a completely different animal. Uh, Shutter Island. Shutter is Island isn't. Just so like a, he, um, he has like you know these these uh, these fantastic movies, man, and and they're all just so uh, just steeped in in his real life, and and I just I don't know I just love everything about him. Um, and another thing, kind of like where I'm going to go go into my quote, but uh, one thing that I just love is. He he really does make narrative films. Like mm-hmm. he's making narrative cinema, and um, I thought he made a really really interesting point where he where he's um, where he says theaters seem to be mainly supporting the theme park amusement park comic book films. They are taking over the theaters. I think they can have those films. It's fine. It's just that it shouldn't be what our younger people believe is cinema, and I find that to be kind of an interesting thing that he says and maybe you disagree because you love superhero films Mm -hmm. but half of them I don't love superhero films and it just doesn't scratch my itch it just doesn't do it for me I just don't care for them that much and I thought that was a really interesting quote because I kind of agree I mean it's 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 kind of sad that you have like these people who are making all these superhero films and they get financed so quickly and they get so much money. And then you have all of these directors who are writers, directors who are trying to make actual real narrative pieces with something to be said. And they have a a real, real story. And and they're kind of considering it more of an art form other, not just, not just explosions and all that. Mm -hmm. And they don't get, you know, they don't really get really big uh, studio backing. They, you know, all the films that I really, really love are the films that I tend to love. And this is why I think you and I have a good dynamic with one another is because I love more of like the art house films and you like more of the blockbusters. And I think that gives us like a good balance. Yeah. But it's just, it kind of just, you know, it, it, it's just kind of disappointing where you have these, um, these people who are making really, really great films Or they have really, really great ideas and concepts, and they just can't get the funding, and nobody really, you know. So they have to then turn to indie filmmaking because you'll notice that you know a Marvel movie has basically like one studio behind it, right? Mm -hmm. That's uh, Disney, Disney? right?
1: Yeah, boy. That's it, right?
0: (laughs) You watch it if you go and watch an indie film, all of a sudden you you'll be like, it'll be like this production, that production, this production, because they're just scratching to get enough money to fund their film. You know, so they have like six or seven fucking uh, production companies and that gets really, really tough because you know then you have all these producers t- getting, throwing their hat and saying what you can and what you can't do and mm-hmm. you know it's their money so you kind of have to it's just it's just a mess. Um, but you know, I'm a big advocate of supporting small films and supporting narrative films and yeah so I don't know I I thought that was an interesting quote you might disagree with it and you might think that you know films should be giant blockbusters and whatever I don't believe but I don't know it's just not what I gravitate towards it's never really been I love the realism and I love the more I like dramas and whatnot and things that are steeped in reality the whole superhero thing doesn't really again like I said it doesn't really scratch that itch for me Mm -hmm. um but yeah so Scorsese made my number three
1: uh and that's why and this kind of segues ways into mine a little bit. Oh, it's perfect. Oh, it's a perfect one. So, kind of, kind of similar. Uh, you said like blockbuster a little bit, but I'm kind of noticing a theme with mine a little bit. Yeah, I, I tend to gravitate more towards like more older like '80s, '90s yeah. horror mm-hmm. uh, directors almost. However, this man put a nice little spin on it, and yeah. I noticed that you didn't use the the phrase "king of something." years from oh, Martin yeah. scorsese yeah but i'm going to put mine as the king of blending horror and comedy
0: and we are talking about none other than
1: sam Raimi, the Love man <laughs> the man that brought our friendship together yeah really. so
0: if you don't know which you probably don't uh zach and i kind of hit it off because of the evil dead
1: yes uh, the, the franchise itself yeah
0: um we we I don't I think I brought it up to you. I think mm-hmm. I said to you, Do you know, do you know Evil Dead? And then you were like, Yeah. <laughs> and then we just hit it off on how much we both love the Evil Dead mm-hmm. and Sam Raimi. Yes. And uh, we talked about to,
1: how great the first movie is as a horror film and how the second one is so great as a horror and comedy. Yeah, film. it really,
0: really like found its stride. And the third one, Army of Darkness, is so good. Like oh, they're all just so I good. I love Army of Darkness. Um to the point, though, where Zach and I got matching Evil Dead tattoos mm-hmm. on the back of our calves. So if that doesn't tell you the type of friendship we have, then... <laughs> then you're not even uh, listening to us. <laughs> um, but yeah, Sam. I'm with Sam. Uh, I'm Sam Raimi now. <laughs> uh, go ahead, Zach. Talk, so, yeah, talk about so
1: him. Sam Raimi really is like the perfect blend of horror and comedy. You've advocated quite a lot of his other film of Drag Me to Hell. I... Did not love Drag Me to Hell. But However, how
0: recently did you watch it?
1: It's been a while. I
0: think you'll appreciate it a little bit more. I think if you I watch would it too now.
1: now. However, like I do acknowledge the fact that it is a really fun horror movie with some really dark humor yeah. elements to it. Yeah, and I think that's really where like Sam Raimi gets his stride. Right. The other portion of it too is he has such a love for comic books. To the point where it's like he was working really hard to get uh, the rights to the Shadow, mm-hmm. and he was also trying to work really hard to get the rights to the Mighty Thor, so he could make a film. When he got denied for both, he made Darkman yeah. and with Dark Man. Yeah, Dark
0: Man's. Dark I like Dark I Man. I like Man Dark Man too. That
1: was that was one of the first films that we got to watch together too. Yeah, and Dark Man was a really fun take on comic book world. Mm-hmm. And I think this is where like he really kind of like he he knows what the fuck he's doing cuz then he also made the trilogy of the Toby Maguire Spider-Man. Yeah. Now, I don't believe that Toby <laughs> Maguire was the best Spider-Man. However, it was unique for its time. I th- I will I still stand by
0: Spider-Man 1 and 2. I, I think I they definitely are, stand by they one are and two. They are great superhero Spider-Man films.
1: I will argue with anyone that Spider-Man Two may be the best representation of Spider-Man in films. I will I argue. That. I've never watched any of the other ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, three is not great. 3 was such a disappointment, and I I fucking, I was waiting for it. It was
0: more like, I think he just kind of like lost, I think there was was too many villains, like too many people coming in and out, and it just wasn't focused nearly as much. Yeah,
1: had you focused it mainly on Venom, this would have been really cool. Yeah. However, at the end of the day, Sandman was way better of a villain in that film than Venom, or Goblin. Yeah. But, at the same time too, he is the first director to ever make a trilogy of a comic book hero. And I think that has something to say to like how he works. Mm-hmm. And now we're going to talk to about 30 days a night. Cause he also directed. that. I didn't know that. Yes. I don't know if you've ever seen 30 days. I, of night. I, I haven't. I really enjoy that film. Uh, that one's more of like a serious horror. Oh, okay. But it, it's such a cool concept where it focuses on vampires But they have more kind of like, if you really look at them, they're almost like shark slash piranha-like. Like Like he really wanted to go less for like the Brad Pitt interview of a vampire type look where it's like, oh, look how gothic swath and gorgeous they are with like just the the tooth showing and a, a droplet of blood. Right. These vampires are fucking crazy where they are just ripping you to shreds with like rows of teeth Mm. and like black eyes that kind of like move back. And it's all set in Alaska during the time period where the, the sun like passes over and it's just 30 days straight of night, which they're honestly surviving for a month with vampires that don't need to go to bed. That's crazy. Yeah, and it's it's a really cool, like one of his more low budget films, yeah, I think. Yeah. But like, it's a really cool concept to a vampire movie, and I always kind of like stick with that as like one of the really outstanding versions of vampires. Yeah, and then, of course, we have Evil Dead, uh, the trilogy, the creme de la creme. Uh, he is so good at blending the horror and comedy in 2. Yeah. Evil Dead 2 is really where he hit the stride just with like the deer head and the hand. Yeah. Oh. So good. Yeah,
0: I, and I love how I love how the first one is so DIY where they were they were literally going around to like so him and Bruce Campbell are like just really
1: good friends. I don't know if you knew too, but he actually in college he was roommates with Bruce Campbell and the Cohen brothers. Right. And the Cohen brothers actually, like, backed him on a lot of the stuff. Yeah.
0: So uh, they were, like, great high school friends, him and Bruce Campbell, and they were like, we need to... We want to get this made. So uh, they... He said that, like, they were literally going around to, like, wealthy neighborhoods <clears throat> and, like, going into, like... Like, knocking on, like, people that they knew were, like, oh, doctors or whatever. And, like, people, <laughs> people who had money, right? Yeah. And they would they would bring a copy of like kind of like the trailer and they would be like hey i'm trying to make this movie would you help me finance it and they got fucking financing for it
1: <laughs> i mean they literally
0: had a they had people show up they i think they said that they like um they like during like after hours of like a local like grocery store mm-hmm. they like set up like a little projector and a screen and they showed like all these people like the the concept of, like, kind of, like, what they were trying to do it was kind of, like, a short film of Evil Dead before mm. it became what it became. And they were just like, all right, this is what we're trying to do. Who wants to give us money for it? Like, and that's how they fucking financed the film. Which is crazy. It is. It's it's nuts.
1: But it's still, it, it's it's such a great film. And it still holds up, like, to me at least. I don't know about you. I have, like, people that will back me up on this where when they first show the Deadite in uh, Evil Dead 1. Mm-hmm. That first like turnaround of the girl, yeah, it still holds up as one of the most horrifying looking things <laughs> in existence <laughs> in existence in existence to the point where when he made the remake with Bruce Campbell in two thousand and thirteen, I know you like that one. I, I didn't
0: i don't I don't love that one,, yeah. but I think that it was a admirable remake. I mm. think it was good enough. Mm. No. I think that there are there obviously were some issues um but I did like A I liked how they really just truly embraced the gore of it. Yes. Um and I and I liked the idea of why they were at the why they were there in the first place because in, in Evil Dead it's kind of just like well, we're, we're a group of friends and we're going up here it's like kind of why like, are you going to the shitty cabin? Yeah, it's like <laughs> it's like it kind of, you know, at least in the remake it was like she's a drug addict and She's going to, you know, we're trying to, you know, basically like help her and we're going to keep her here until she kind of goes through her whole little thing that she goes through. So I appreciated that aspect of it. And I did. And I liked. again, I like gore. Yeah. So maybe that's why I mean, narratively and although and I still stand by the opening scene of that movie. The opening scene of that movie is fucking great where the the girl is tied to the pole and mm-hmm. she's talk and she's like crying her eyes out and and it's her father tying her up and and he's like weeping and she's like um you know, basically like pleading for her life. And she's like, dad, please don't do this. Please don't do this. Uh, uh. And then he's like crying and he's like, you're not my daughter. Mm-hmm. And then she like immediately turns into the dead eye. And then she's like calling him like, I like, like whatever, like a fucking asshole or whatever. Yeah. And then he lights her on
1: fire and shoots her. And then that's the intro. I was mm-hmm. like, that's a badass intro. It's a good intro. I'll give it that. And then he's, he's also worked like, I forgot how much like involvement he had with the HBO show, but he was a part of Ash versus Evil Dead, yeah. Which I felt was, I liked it. I felt it was a great continuation to the franchise that we didn't even need. No, but I'm happy that we got. I'm happy we got it. I mean, for sure, for me, like the the uh, the the
0: first season was a little like for me well because I they, felt were like they were
1: relying too much on the source i material. think so i think
0: they were like kind of just they didn't really have like their own like they didn't have their their feet yet you know yeah. but once you hit season two i feel like they really like kind of found their stride mm-hmm. and it's kind of similar to like the evil dead where it's like evil dead one is good and then evil dead two is like really really good yeah. it's kind of like season one is good and then season two is really good and then mm-hmm. it kind of just gets better from there yeah absolutely It's kind of de- de- disappointing that it's it got canceled i guess they didn't. No, no,
1: no. He 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 was only signed on for like the what was it, four seasons? Oh, I thought it, I thought I thought they didn't finish it off because he Oh no no, no never mind. You were right. Like he they I know they, I'm right. they, they fuck you. <laughs> they canceled it, but he ended it in a spot where it's like he can either pick it up again in like five years yeah. or it can just be left as is. Yeah. And I'm fine with that. And now, out of everything else, he's now directing the Disney Plus show of Doctor Strange in the Multiverse which I think is really cool because again he's a comic book fan so he knows the source oh, material Oh Doctor Strange yeah yes. yeah that just clicked I'm like who's Doctor Strange <laughs> All right, I got it <laughs> Benedict Cumberbatch yeah. Yeah. my girlfriend loves him but only with the goatee and the hair that's oh, it Oh, okay yeah other versions of him like where he's shaved and bald <laughs> hates <laughs> but uh, I think that's a really cool thing where he's got, like, this longevity to him mm-hmm. when it comes to more of, like, horror slash, like, comic book stuff. Yeah. Because that's really where he's he's going for. Like, he did, what was it, Don't Breathe? Yeah. Uh, two years ago, he did Crawl last year with the alligators. He didn't, he, didn't,
0: he, didn't, he didn't direct that, but I think he was a producer on it. No, I think he directed it. He didn't that. direct it. He was a producer. He was a look it up, Zach. I'm I'll right. bet you my lunch meat. Go ahead, on give it. it to me. Give it to me. I'll give you one pound of <laughs> ham in my pocket. Yeah, if you're right. But uh, while you're doing that, I kind of just wanted like the the reason why I love Sam Raimi so much, and it's it's kind of just how he got started, where it was very much just uh, I owe you the lunch. meat I know in you my do. Pocket. I know you do um where he's he, he's one of those guys where it's kind of like I'm just going to go out and make my own movie. Mm-hmm. Like I'm just going to do it. I have this is what I want to do with my life. I have a camera. I have a couple of my buddies. We're going to go out and make a fucking film. And it turned out to be The Evil Dead mm-hmm. and it's amazing and it has one of my favorite posters of all time. Oh yeah, with the skeleton. It's so good. Wait, which
1: one? The,
0: the one with the girls one. reaching oh, up. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Evil yeah. Dead has one of my favorite posters of all time. Uh I love how it's like drawn. It's not like an actual, you know, it's all like uh back in the day. You know, I, I love like back in the day in like the early uh in the early
1: years it would be like In the eighties.
0: Y- well, no, like later earlier than the eighties, like the sixties and the fifties. Mm-hmm. All of like the titles of um all, all of the 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 posters and everything of the of the films were all like hand painted mm-hmm. and I don't know, just kind of gives it like a very unique kind of look. And I just love how they kind of took that and did that with the evil dead.
1: That's why I'm in. like, this is why Sam Raimi made my list. Yeah, he's great. I love he, him. He's so good. And he doesn't care about like how the outcome is. Like if it makes a lot of money or yeah. if it doesn't, he just wants to passion produce. projects. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that's all he does. And then we, we do have the funny thing. The fact of like him, Losing the rights to, like, Evil Dead for Dude, each that movie. Dude, <laughs> that whole thing is a mess. So, that's why, like, Evil Dead 1, he made it, but he didn't have the rights to it when he made Evil Dead 2. So, he had to call it The Evil Dead 2. And, he, and,
0: he, and if you notice, in the first Evil Dead, he, that, uh, it's Ashley. Yeah. And then in the second one, it's only Ash. Yep. It's like... He doesn't have the right to his own fucking character. Yeah,
1: <laughs> and then he had to recreate the story but keep it similar. Similar, in that. yeah. And then again, he didn't have the rights to the Evil Dead 2, so he had to make it Army, Army of Darkness, Darkness it's for fucking, the third one. It's a mess. <laughs> but
0: with all like with the struggle, I mean, they're still just so good. Yeah, I love them.
1: And then he's he's born on the same day as Weird Al Yankovich. Yankovic. Yankovic. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to, I'm waiting for it. Oh, yeah. Fuck it. <laughs> kill you. But yeah, that's why Sam Raimi made my top three. Good. I like, I like him. He's
0: a good, he's a good pick. And yeah, he's kind of the whole reason why we became friends. Yeah.
1: So very much nostalgia, very much like a, a passion for his work. And again, like that little note of like, this is where our friendship sparked. Mm. So he had to go in there. Yeah. Frank, you got a recommendation?
0: I do. Uh, so I mentioned this once, and we uh, just kind of like breezed over it. But I I want to make it a full blown recommendation, and that is a podcast called "The Way I Heard It," narrated by Mike Rowe, who is the guy from Dirty Jobs. Um, and basically, he does these little—he um, calls it a, uh, a the podcast for a curious mind and a short attention span. So he basically does, like, these little podcasts that are maybe 8 to 12 minutes long, and he basically has a very specific way of doing it where he um, he does, like, he never tells you who the story is about. So he's, he's telling you this, like, really, really interesting, crazy story, and then at the end, he always kind of has, like, the grand reveal of, like, who it is. So, um... He, and it's all, it's all really, really interesting. A lot of, he does a lot of like history. So I'm, I've learned so much about like Abraham Lincoln, the things like I've never known it, but it's not like, it's like interesting, fun stories. They're always like really, really engaging. Um, and he does things about like actors and directors and, and whatnot. Um, and he just does like these really, really short little, uh, 12 minute podcasts that you can literally fit in at any point in in your day. Uh, and they're really, 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 really great. Um, so, yeah, I recommend the way I heard it. Cool. I, I hate
1: recommending other podcasts. I know, because it's podcast. like, <laughs> well, hopefully they'll recommend us.
0: <laughs> yeah, is going to shout out us. <laughs> I don't um, know. I
1: did that for Adventure Zone, and I haven't heard back from them nope. yet. But. <laughs> <clears throat> anyway. But that's it. That's it, guys. Yeah. Uh, that's so, next
0: week we are doing, well, I guess. Director's Cut Take Two? Take Two, and then Take One. I'm yeah. excited for my last two. Yeah, me too. I I don't remember. Well, I know who your number one is, but I don't know who your number two is. I don't remember. Oh, that's
1: fine. I want it to be a surprise then.
0: A surprise. Surpris. Uh, Zach.
1: Frank. Take us out. All right, guys. Thank you for listening. Now, Frank, roll the credits.